Today on the Sound Rider Show, a BMW motorcycle dealership has been sold here in Washington. Tom and I are going to dive in deep on ways to stay warm on your motorcycle and new permit and test procedures coming in 2020. All that and so much more on today's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Clem's Enum Klopp Power Sports, your South Sound destination for your favorite brands like Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Can Am, and Kimco. And Clem's goes beyond motorcycles to satisfy all your outdoor passions with a full line of UTVs, ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, and cargo trailers. Have you got a dirt bike you want to convert to a snow bike? Visit Clem's today and discover all the possibilities. Hello, this is Greg Anderson, Cycle Barn Smoky Point. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show, the only show dedicated to motorcycling right here in the Pacific Northwest. Across from me, publisher, founder, all things to motorcycling, Tom Marin, me, of course, Derek Roberts, your self-appointed editor-at-large and co-host of this here show. Tom, it's the November edition, man. What do you think? Fall is here. I just want to thank you for inviting me back to the (laughs) show again. That's really nice. Well, welcome back, Tom, our uh, recurring guest here for almost uh, six years running. Yeah. Uh, Well, what do you think here? You are based in Washington, as am I, and um, some changes on the horizon in the testing from the Department of Licensing. Well, that's happening, but before we get to that, I think we need to talk about the architecture of the building here where we record. And uh, uh, it's it's November, and uh, you know the floor here gets kind of cold. It can. Yeah. How are your feet doing right now? I'm doing okay. Well, I got the booties on again. All know. right, the down I booties. I don't think I had sure. the down booties on since like April or May. Sure, that sounds about right. So, uh, but they're on. They're on. Uh, anyways, um, I know you want to talk about the Department of Licensing. I just want to uh, do a quick recap. We did the um, Cafe to Cafe. Awards the other day and uh, had a full house up in the tower at Katie Downs down wow. in Tacoma. And uh, we had one couple who did all 15 locations, and there was 23 bonus locations. Now, I put those on there just as a convenience, so you could go to any of the cactus clubs in, in B.C. Oh, very cool. And there's 23 of them. Well, this couple went to all 20. Three. Wow. And the 15, and they got food receipts from all the locations that they went to. Holy cow. So they scored the maximum amount of points of 76 points. And so they were the winners of this year's competition. They were absolutely winners. (laughs) They were not the big spenders, though. A big spender, the big spender we had spent over $650, and he did primarily. All the locations in Canada, which is where he lives, sure. and then he did a few in the U.S., but he didn't really win anything because he didn't hit all the stops. 
Well, but he he won a good time though, right? I mean, he had a great time. I'm sure he had a blast. He said he's out looking there. forward to it next year. And I was going to say, this seemed like uh, we had a lot of signups for uh, the Cafe to Cafe this year. Um, was it a record turnout? Do you think? Not a record. Okay. We had about 92. I think the record is like 108 or something. Okay, but, but still, uh, still a really good turnout. Yeah, a great turnout, and it sounds like people are having a lot of fun. Have you ever had that many bonus locations? Uh, no. I was going to say. We've had, like, I think in the past, uh, I think we had like 13. We did all the boathouse cafes that okay. were up there s- some time ago. Uh, and I, I told the group yesterday, you know, um, it's it's a really great way to support us, even if you're not going to play or if you're only going to hit a couple of the restaurants. It's your opportunity to support Soundwriter at a time when, you know, we're, we've got dealers dropping like flies. We're, we're, you know, that, that side of our advertising revenue is down. And this is what helps keep us in business here. Sure. Keep the magazine going. And so uh, it's an opportunity to support us and get some value back. Same thing happens anytime you buy something in the online store. Absolutely. Store.soundwriter.com. Well, it sounds like people had a lot of fun out there. And uh, I know I'm already looking forward to it. You're probably looking to catch your breath a little bit, but uh, next year's um, lineup for Cafe to Cafe. I'm yeah, sure I've already be... got people asking me for the lineup. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're not getting that until March 1st. That's what we call a winter project in the uh, motorcycle business, exactly. right? Exactly. That's what we do here in December or January. We put those locations together. Sometimes there's a theme. You remember one year we had all golf course? Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. That's right. So... Uh, Anyways. Well, good stuff. Well, I'm glad to hear that there was a, a great turnout at the, uh, the wrap-up event. And as you said, uh, supporting Cafe to Cafe is a great way to support the magazine. Another great way to uh, help support the industry is to get new writers involved, and that may be a little one more step maybe to get there for some new writers. Get right? a little trickier. Yeah. Yeah. So the new procedure is that you will have to – and just to get a, a permit, a learner's permit. It used to be you just had to go down and take a, a written test and right. you could get a learner's permit. Well, in order to get a learner's permit, you have to do both a written test and a moving test. And I asked the question, well, how could you have all the knowledge of the moving test if you haven't taken a class yet? And – Basically, what the state is saying is you're going to need to take a class. We're not, we're not making it mandatory. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be out riding illegally. Right. So if you want to do it legally, you're probably going to need to take a class first. Yeah, so I'm, I'm still – there's a lot of haze surrounding this for me because, first of all, nobody heard anything about this. It just all of a sudden showed up, right? It was on the DOL website that, hey, changes are coming in 2020. I didn't see yeah, any press releases. it was all releases. passed in legislation last spring, but it wasn't really a hot topic. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything on yeah. it. Yeah, so um, – what it is, is uh, I talked to both Dave Wendell and Chuck Sweezy about this sure. yesterday from Pacific Northwest Motorcycle Safety. And uh, what it's all about is that Target Zero is aiming for zero Fatalities, casualties right. by 2030. Right. And this is part of how they think they're going to get there. Um, some people think that this is going to lead to more people riding around without endorsements. And that's not going to get you to target zero. That's true, yeah. So the second part of it is once you get your permit, once you pass that written test and that moving test and you have your permit and then you, that's good for a period of time and then you're going to have to get a full license. And the only way you get your full endorsement is you have to go back and take a more complex test that's longer and you'll have to do a much more stringent moving test 
So you got a longer written test and a very stringent moving test. In fact, there's one, I think it's a, a stop at 30 miles an hour. Mm. And if you fail it, you fail the entire test. So they're making it pretty hard for people to get an endorsement. Now. Yeah, certainly. Well, one thing that I think we should probably inject here is that if you are currently endorsed, this is not going to impact your endorsement. So there's, that is correct. there's not going to be any sort of retroactive action where all of a sudden everybody that's a motorcycle rider is going to have to go down to their, their local school. That is a good point to make. And there was a lot of people when we put that post up yeah. on social media that were asking about that. So everybody who's already got an endorsement, don't worry about it. Right. You're cool. Uh, if you don't have an endorsement, you're going to be dealing with – go get one now Yeah, uh, if you want to. And, Before uh, the end of the year, yeah. But if you wait, then you're going to have uh, a lengthier process to get – now, you know, I don't have a problem with pushing people and saying, hey, if you can't stop a bike at 30 miles an hour in a certain range, then you probably shouldn't be on the motorcycle. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is definitely an, an essential skill. Now, my next question is – are you going to – maybe you don't know the answer to this, but I couldn't find the answer myself, so I'll, I'll open it up here. If you're a new rider, are you going to be able to just go straight through the class and then to the more stringent testing? Are you going to be able to combine everything, or are you going to be required to ride on the permit for a while? I uh, don't know the answer to that. Okay. I'm sure that permit's good for a period of time, and within that period of time, when you're comfortable to go take the endorsement testing – then you could do that. But I don't know what that period of time because would be. Because basically the permit, the only restriction on the permit is that you can't ride with passengers or ride at night. Right. And so – And, and I, I, that I don't know if that stays the same or not, but it should. Right. Yeah. So there's still some questions to be answered it seems Lots like. Lots of questions. Yeah. I think what we'll do is we'll get, we'll get this into a written article in December. Yeah. Not going to happen this month. But we'll get a written article by December, and I will run that through several of the people that I know who are directly affiliated with DOL. Yeah, because that's what we need is sort of a uh, an FAQ on this, right, so that people can just point to their inquiry yeah. and then – Yeah, because actually this could be an article that would be a good thing to have as an evergreen thing for, for sure. you know, yeah. three or four years. Absolutely. So. Did you, let's – for one second before we move on to the next topic here, my understanding is that California has something similar to this already in place. Have you? Do you have any uh, any idea about that? I don't know. I will okay. uh, contact Lee Parks there we and go. find out about. That's a that. good idea. Yeah. So, so I've heard that. I some... guess I'm going to have to be a good journalist. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to actually have to get to it. <laughs> no more fiction, at least uh, not in the coming months here. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's one thing I'm I'm interested to see if this does exist in California. If they have any uh, data to sort of sort show before and after or to be able to speculate a little bit on the population of riders and see if there is any impact in this training as far as reducing accidents. I did read a few headlines that uh, fatalities were down. Yes. But I also know that sales are down. So mm -hmm. the, what does that look like on a graph? That's what I'd like to see. Well, you know, and I'm always a little bit – I mean, look, anytime fatalities drop, that's a great thing. But most of the time – I mean – Listen, every fatality is a, is a tragedy, of course, but the numbers really aren't astronomical when you start to talk about uh, the number of riders that are out there in Washington. And anytime you see these articles where they say, well, they've dropped for two years in a row, you go from like, you know, mid 60s to high 50s. Right. And that's great, but that's all. I feel like there's some variability just in statistics there that could, that could account for that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I can, I, if I really want to be a good journalist, and this is why we need people to buy stuff in the online store because I 
got to pay the bill. So, uh, but uh, it's going to take time. And I would like to probably get some of those charts together. And I could get a chart together like that for Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. Right. Uh, possibly BC too. Um, I've got a couple people I know up there who might be able to get the data for me on you know number of endorsements and number of fatalities and. And we'll see, you know, and then we'll go back ten years, and we'll see what that was ten years before. Yeah, and see where those where those lines are going on the graph. Well, you know, and I'd also be interested to know what the licensing requirements are in Canada, in BC. I don't know what it takes to get a motorcycle endorsement up there. You have to take a class. Okay. Yeah, and then you have to pass the class at the at where you took it at, uh, and then you can get an endorsement. Gotcha. Okay. But, uh, uh, that could have changed too. I don't know. I know that for a fact from just a few years ago when we had Dat Louie on the show. Right. So uh, I'll, I can check in with him and see what the current is up there. Because I, I like to represent our friends in Canada as well. Of course, yeah. Better. Absolutely. And and all you folks in Montana, I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Western um, Montana anyway. So uh, you got any updates on uh, Noble Rush fallout? You know, everything that I've – I really honestly, I haven't heard anything. You know, there's just kind of been the same sentiment throughout the industry that people were disappointed that we lost so many dealerships in one day. I haven't seen any new news articles, any releases. Um, everything has been pretty quiet as far as I can tell. What about you? Well, here's what I know. Um, yeah. Roman Lemenchkov, who was the sales – or I guess he was the general manager over at Ride West. Yep. Uh, Later known as Noble Rush Seattle. That's right, the BMW dealership here, yeah. Yeah. He has somehow acquired two new BMWs and uh, was happy to flash those up in social media the other day. So okay. uh, I'm not sure how he acquired them. I don't know if he made a, a purchase on them or I'm sure they weren't just passed over to him. And I don't know if they were new or used units. They look new to me, but. Uh, Interesting, because if I lost my job, I don't think I'd be buying two new motorcycles, but that's just me. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's always hard to speculate on someone's yeah, personal situation could have been a sweet there. Deal. Yeah. Uh, but I do know, too, that he is tinkering around with the idea of opening up a used bike shop in Seattle. Oh, very interesting. So uh, that's getting tossed around. Don't know where it will be. Um. What else do we know? We know that there's something going on in Auburn that nobody can talk about. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if it has to do with the Indian shop or if it has to do with the Hinshaw store next door. All right. Well, I think uh, you know that seems like a good area to have a, a multi-line motorcycle dealership down there. So hopefully something can go back in there and you know find success, I would say. Yep. And there's, uh, there will be some sort of Ducati activity in the Seattle area or north of Seattle. Okay, but there's nothing definitive that we can talk about on that yet because I think they're still vying for who's going to be picking up the line. So that was kind of one of the things that I had expected a little bit. That particularly when you're talking about being at the end of season, uh, I don't feel like people are going to be in quite as big of a hurry to make the turnaround as say they would have if this would have mm-hmm. went, went down in May. Right? Well, it's like when Optimum got the Aprilia and Motoguzzi stuff, and and they were getting pushed on to bring in you know every model and every color in November. Right. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. So that that is a real challenge at the end of the season here. So don't be surprised though. I guess is my main point. If this we don't figure out any real answers until the beginning of next year, to say the least. Yeah. 
In the meantime, South Sound Motorcycles is very busy with Ducati service and BMW service. They are. And fact, new unit sales. Too. And they brought on some of the uh, Ducati techs from the they did. Down shops, yeah, too. I think they so. brought down two of the techs from Seattle. So there you go. If you ride a Ducati and you want somebody with some experience and a good dealership, too, although we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about bit. them yeah. in a bit here because there's some serious activity going on there that's all good. Right. Um, last thing that you wanted to talk about was uh, the collection of topo maps that I revealed to you that I have in my possession. Yeah, so we were doing just a little uh, a little pregame here before the show, and we were just kind of talking about some stuff, and we got on to a topic which we will touch on in uh, the calendar segment briefly about a uh, uh, the Serum Run, which is a historic reenactment coming up here in um, November, but. It turns out you've got a lot of old maps from the Washington area here, and I thought maybe we'd discuss those a little bit because that might be a good way to find some hidden roads. Well, it's, you know, yeah, maybe. But, (laughs) I mean, these maps go all the way back. The oldest one I have is 1901. Okay. These are topo maps that were done by the USGS. Uh, Can you imagine doing topo maps in 1901 for USGS? I mean, that's some heck of a lot of horse riding going on. Well, and out in the Snoqualmie area, are you kidding me? That's pretty rugged country. Yeah, and you yeah. got to get up on all those hilltops. And, yeah. Oh, man. You got your little cartography tools up there. That's, yeah, that's a full-time job Crazy for sure. Stuff. For sure. I'd like to see uh, uh, some sort of a PBS special about the cartographers of 1901. Yeah. You know, something like that. Let's reenact it on a couple of dual sport bikes. <laughs> yeah, Here exactly. We go, right? yeah. We'll do the cartography tour. That's right, yeah. The next Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I was tipped off to this collection, and I have it now, and it's really nice to have. And it, I have Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Uh, these are topos that all go back, you know, a century. And it's fun to look at them because way back then, you didn't have I-90, but you had what was becoming uh, State Highway 10, sure. uh, which is known as the old Sunset Highway. And uh, it's fun to look at where that went and where the freeway is now that sort of follows old Highway 10. But, uh, yeah, if you, ever, if you ever find these online... I say buy them. Yeah. Well, I think it would be a good uh, jumping off point, not that we haven't given you enough to do in this opening segment for the next couple of months, but to see some sort of historical perspectives and to see if there are any opportunities for you to ride along on a uh, on a dual sport bike. I mean, famously, we know that the Snoqualmie region has been kind of shut down on a lot of dirt roads and that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to know what's out there, and uh, maybe this can help elucidate some of that. Yeah, and uh, the fun thing is, uh, you know, I have, I have a 1901, but then I also have like 1933 right. and 1950, so you can sort of go through Start the maps the and see the changes as they happen. So, anyways, we talked about that. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a little break. We got uh, some very interesting news bites coming up. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, my name is Dana. I live in Belfair. I ride a KTM 350 and a BMW uh, 1200 GS Adventure and a Harley. And uh, my favorite ride is following Sean. Hi, this is Brendan Ferrer from South Sound Motorcycles, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. 
back in studio on the Sound Rider Show. And let's jump right into it, Tom. Let's get into news bites. We teased it a little bit in the open se- opening segment here, but South Sound Motorcycles, what's going on down there? Lots going on. So we mentioned it on the last show that uh, Keith and Ann Ty had sold the business, and now we can tell you who bought it. Uh, it was a gentleman named Eric Weiss. Okay. Eric owns a BMW dealership in Northern California. Okay. And has been in the business for over 10 years. Great. Um, really nice guy. Last weekend, I went down to say to, to the little send-off party for Keith and Ann, and Eric was there. And somebody else was there that we know, and uh-huh. it was Brendan Ferrer. Former general manager, right? Former general manager has returned to the helm. Oh, okay. Great. So Eric will remain in Northern California running his shop there. And uh, Brendan will report to him running the shop up here, and I think it's it's it, it, it's a really good thing because he didn't wind up with somebody with no experience. You got somebody with experience that's running the shop. Yep. You've got a very capable staff in Brendan, in Wayne, in the techs they have, in David who runs the finance and one hundred percent. Yeah, they've so, got some great people down there. Yeah, so I, I, it's going to be a really good thing, I think, and uh, I don't think we're going to see the kind of circus things that happened uh, with the uh, other BMW shop that Keith and Ann used to own. Well, you're right. That is exciting news, and that's very great to hear, particularly you know because uh, I know Keith and Ann, former owners there, have been looking kind of for a uh, an appropriate way to exit the business for some time. They wanted to hand it off to a good owner, somebody that would be a good steward of the brand and the shop in the area there. And it sounds like they've successfully done that. So, yeah. you know, best yeah. of luck to the incoming owners and to, to Keith and Ann, who, of course, are legends in these parts. So. And, and the reason I think that this is going to go so well is because basically, yes, you have an absentee owner in, in play here. Now, it, you know, don't think that Keith and Ann were going into work every day because they weren't. They've taken a lot of trips. They've been a lot of places in the last Which 10 they years. have earned, yeah. And that shop, yeah, and that shop has pretty much been running on sort of an absentee owner basis. Now, you know, they don't want to hear me say that. But um, uh, you well, didn't see them around that much down there. And so those guys know how to do it, you know, and they know how to make a phone call and they need to make a phone call and get an AOK on something and whatever. And so it's it's just, you know, it's kind of their MO that, that they've been living anyways for 10 years. Sure. Well, and a, as a credit to that shop and to Keith and Ann, the people that they've hired, you mentioned uh, Wayne and uh, I know I think uh, Neil in service and a lot of other great folks that have been at that shop for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that you can do when you are an experienced owner, whether you're there or you're not. And it sounds like this tradition is going to be carried forward. So I'm looking forward to, to getting down there and seeing many years of success for those guys. Yep. So I will be meeting up with Brendan later this month and talking about getting together, getting Soundrider and yeah. Sound Motorci- South Sound Motorcycles back together again, doing things together. So. Get the word out. That's great. So that'll be good. Um, let's see. What else is happening? Okay. We mentioned uh, Pacific Northwest Motorcycle Safety, Dave Wendell. And what we didn't tell you is that um, he has sold the business to Chris Johnson. Wow. And he's going to kind of do a semi-retirement. However, he he is insistent that he will remain doing the three-wheel uh, program there. Interesting. So that's going to be happening. That will be happening at the end of the year when, is when that trade-off happens. Well, uh, Chris Johnson is the owner of Washington Motorcycle Safety Training. Right. Another experienced operator. Mm-hmm. Yes. With a thick accent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think this is uh, this is great to keep it uh, to keep good people involved in the training scene. And obviously, Chris has been around for a long time; really knows what he's doing. So, you know, if you can spread that uh, sort of enthusiasm into some other regions via sale like this, I think this is a fantastic thing. This is really good for Washington. Yeah, and Chris and Dave have worked together for a long time uh, by putting together sort of an advanced street skills class that they've been teaching together collectively. So, you know, they're not new to each other or anything like that. Well, that's great. That's fantastic to hear. A lot of uh, shuffling here in the off-season all of a sudden. So maybe those dealerships will open up earlier than we expected. You know, I was just saying things don't happen until – the other side are closer to riding season, but that's proving to be incorrect. Is that a new dance, the off-season shuffle? It is. You know it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so Connie and I went to the DOL a couple weeks ago, and we got our new IDs with the RFID built in and uh, all the stuff so you can cross over the border. You don't have to pop out your passport every time and sure. all that. So anyways, um, the, the new licenses showed up with RFID covers to protect your data from right. getting stolen by an unscrupulous character that you can't see, but he's within about 30 feet of you, and he's stealing your data out of your wallet. Right off of your driver's license. Well, that's kind of a pain in the butt, because mm-hmm. I went to the airport, and every time I, I had to go through the line, they wanted my ID, I had to pull it out of that little cover. That's a pain. I knew that Big Skinny was making RFID-protected wallets. Okay, yeah. So... I thought, well, I'm going to get one, but while I'm at it, I'm going to add them to the Soundwriter store. So we have about six different options in the Soundwriter store for you to get a new wallet and have all your data protected, not only on your driver's license, but on all your credit cards that have microchips. Yeah, because that's becoming more and more of a concern now. Mm -hmm. My question is, what if I just have the chip implanted directly into the palm of my hand? We got any RFID blocking gloves? We can make those. Now we're talking. All yeah. right. We yeah. have friends who make gloves. You know, we've got Absolutely, Lee Parks. We've yeah. got uh, – who's our buddy down in Oregon? He makes gloves to another Lee. Oh, yeah. Lee from uh, Racer Gloves <laughs> USA. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, crazy, the changes that are coming along as far as embedding your – you know, sort of your digital footprint right into your, your physical – driver's license. Well, how do you, you like know? this UPC code on my forehead? Well, I noticed that, that, yeah, and, you know, face tattoos are becoming more of a trend. I was yeah. I was kind of questioning your choice, but now it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We'll get you also a, a Seattle sombrero with RFID protection. Hey, I need that. <laughs> um, you know what's funny, too? Now you mentioned Seattle sombrero. Mm-hmm. So we, we carry those in the store, but there's so many, there's four different sizes, and there's like 12 different colors. So if I was supposed to carry every one you know, have it on hand. Yeah. Um, I'd have to have like 48 hats in the warehouse. Now that's tying up some cash. Yeah, you'd be the uh, Soundwriter Hat Emporium. So I put January. a disclaimer on the hat page and I said, um, we don't carry every size and color all the time. So, it's, you know, allow two to three weeks for delivery. And all of a sudden our sales went up on the hats. Oh, wow. <laughs> well. <laughs> So I don't know. I guess people appreciate that. And, you know, it's like Amazon, you know, they'll they'll deliver something to your house in 15 minutes after you order it. And I don't think that's so important to people. I think they, you know, especially in the winter, they just want to get it when they get it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, with the exception of, you know, your household goods, like if you're, you know, out of toilet paper and you need yeah, that Yeah, you need toilet paper in 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, more news from the Department of Licensing. Uh, if you own a snow bike, you will now need to register that as a snowmobile when you're going to put the ski and the track on it. Yeah. So more ways to get into your pocket. I tell you what, man, that just seems completely unnecessary. You've already <laughs> registered this motor vehicle just because you change the the guiding uh, sort of engineering mechanism up front. Now you have to you have to relicense it. I, it's crazy. Yeah, that it's doesn't crazy. make any sense. I think to that's me. just overkill. I mean, if you've already if you already have that bike licensed for off road, yeah. or you have it licensed as a dual sport, then you have to go and pay another time. That, uh, I, I think we call that dual taxation. That's I, why that they feels have a like uh, right? yeah, that feels like it to me. I tell you what, that's another reason to get an RFID blocking wallet because you mentioned your credit cards. We're going to need these just to protect ourselves from the government. At some yeah, are we going to have to have RFID on the bikes now? On everything. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't. Uh, do you know what the is it just standard vehicle licensing cost, but dependent on the county you live in, or how does that work? Do you know? Well, I think you have to go down to your DOL and ask them. Okay. Well. I, it is a statewide thing. Checks it's in the mail. It's not just a county by county. Right. Uh, other news, more dealer news. Uh, Chester's Harley-Davidson of Idaho Falls and Pocatello has been sold to Greg and Mary Woodward, who I believe live in Colorado. There's more absentee owners on I the way. I guess so, yeah. Uh, and their locations will be renamed. They will no longer be Chester's. They will be somebody else. So more experienced owners, though. I'm not too familiar with uh, the lay of the land out there in Pocatello, but it sounds like they have Harley-Davidson dealerships That's already. That's what I remember okay. reading, All yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, well, good luck to them, certainly. I mean, uh, Pocatello is a beautiful place, especially this time of year. I mean, they may have snow now, but... I don't think I've ever been. The fall is uh, is quite stunning out there. Maybe I should put that on my get-back-and-ride-again list, huh? I definitely would put... Yeah, you'll right down through to uh, Salt Lake City. You can uh, make that trip. That's a fun one. Hmm. Uh, Omra, Oregon Motorcycle Road Racing Association, and Wimra, Washington Motorcycle Road Racing Association, will be doing four track events together in 2020, which I think is a really good idea. I agree 100%. And they don't actually run a rivalry between the two clubs, but uh, if they want to, um, we'll support it. Yeah. We'll be a sponsor of that rivalry, uh, you know, inter-club rivalry. I think that would be great. You know, there's already so many folks who uh – you know, for track days who will come from Portland into Washington or vice yeah. versa. So there's already a lot of crossover between this, the segment of riding and both of these organizations do so much for the sport. I feel like in their respective States that this is a natural fit. This is something that uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see. Well, I think it's a brilliant move to have that many together because it really reduces the overhead for those guys right. on the track rental for the day. And instead of, you know, each of them renting an ambulance for the day. There's one ambulance being shared between them, and it's uh, it's all good stuff. It's gonna it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Well, I'm happy to see it, and so best of luck. Do we know when these races are? Will we, this is something I'm sure we'll have on the calendar. We'll I put guess, them so. up on the calendar. I do have the dates. Actually, I have already put them on the calendar. Okay. So yes, go. you can see them now on the Soundrider calendar. Soundrider.com/slash/calendar for those dates. And I don't have this on the list, but uh, there is going to be a disruption in service sometime between November and January on Soundwriter. Only be a couple of days, 
but we are moving away from our hosting company and we're going to a new hosting company. Okay. And in order to do that, we have to redo all the databases. So, I mean, the static pages will be there, but we're going to have to reconnect all the databases for the calendar, for the used bikes, the new bikes, um, the clubs, the services, the dealers. So uh, I guess I'm not semi-retired this fall. Well, I think you're going to be pretty busy between that and uh, your journalism from the uh, opening segment here, investigating yeah. all the uh, the mm. DOL changes. I might not be sleeping. <laughs> you know, when we did this back in 2014, I uh, I really didn't sleep much. I was up at 2 a.m. Yeah, uh, going back and forth with my tech guru, who seems to also never sleep. And uh, we pulled it together then, so we're you know I'm I'm hoping I won't be bothering him too much, um, because I know a lot more than I knew then about coding. So well, that's always uh, helpful. But the highlight here is that changes are coming. But this will be good. This will uh, put us in position to stick around for many many more years to come. Yeah, and we'll probably do a couple of, of new things to upgrade. I don't know. There you go, getting fancy. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a, uh, so Indian has developed a new motor for a new model coming in 2020 because, you know, for some of you guys, 109 horsepower is just enough. ain't enough. Nope. So, uh, 122 horsepower motor called the Power Plus. And then, uh, that's going to go into a new bagger called the Challenger. I'll bet those aftermarket pipes are going to sound great, aren't they? They are going to sing, that's for sure. 122 horsepower. 122, because you need it. That seems like enough. I'll put you right up there in Rocket 3 territory, yeah. won't it? You think I can do an aftermarket conversion on the DR? Shove this thing in there? <laughs> you better be ready to extend the frame. <laughs> Look out, Omra Wimra, here I come in the custom class. And uh, I saw this go by a couple times uh, in October. It is now the 15th anniversary of Long Way Round. Wow. I didn't think it was that long ago. No, it I seems like. Check. Yeah, that seems like maybe 10 years ago, but 15, yeah. huh? I got the DVD if anybody wants to buy it. Now, <laughs> is that available in the store or do you have we to? Did, uh, it, we did. We did used to sell that in the store. I don't think we sell it now. But but I'll autograph my copy if anybody wants to you know do a premium price. Somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Another uh, three dollars and fifty cents. You get the autograph. <laughs> what do you make of uh, this latest um, filming expedition where they're on the supposedly on the live wires coming up from South America? Oh, I don't know about this. Oh no, for Tell uh, us about for Charlie and Ewan, this no? is the Tell long us. the long way up. I think. Okay, and, and they're using Harley Davidson live wires. Apparently, to do they're on the live wires. Yeah. Okay, and is that in progress right now? Yeah. Oh, that's what they're saying. Yeah. I have not seen this. Yeah, so that's floating around out there. But huh. apparently, they've put on. I think at least some knobby tires on there. And How's that charging working out? Well, <laughs> that got remains that to be seen. Yeah, they got that fixed. Apparently, that was an isolated incident with only one motorcycle. So the official well, reports starting to sound like Boeing seven thirty seven Max when you talk like that. Yeah, it's, uh, that's that probably wouldn't be a good name for a motorcycle, huh? A 737? Uh, a 739 Max, or maybe 1793 Max is what you could call that new I got Indian. You. Huh? The Boeing edition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that they made the choice to do the, uh, the live wire, but apparently things have changed, so we'll see how that turns out. Mm, yeah, we'll have to see how, how it goes when we go through the jungles in Colombia. 
All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, we got the calendar because there is stuff to do in November that you don't want to miss out on. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, The Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hi, my name is Kim Grimner. I'm from Vancouver, Washington, and I've got a couple of motorcycles, and I love to ride in the Gifford or the Tillamont State Forest. Hey, this is Benny with Langlet's Leathers, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. it a November to remember. The calendar is actually jam-packed as we head into the colder months here, starting right out the gates on the 2nd. What do we got going out in Yakima? Do we got we this is this is the calendar loaded with toy runs. There's a lot of so, that going on, that's true. So, we know that a lot of you like to participate in toy runs and Derek and I have been digging up all the toy runs, <laughs> so we're going to cover the ones in November, as well as the ones for you to put on your calendar for December. Well, I tell you, as we record this, we had kind of a rainy October, but early days of November are saying that they might have uh, some sunshine, at least up in the greater western Washington area. So hopefully it turns into one of those beautiful months where you get all the fall colors and some dry, crisp days where you can go out and enjoy some of these toy runs. So starting on uh, November 2nd, We've got the uh, Bikers of Yakima doing uh, a toy run in conjunction with the Salvation Army. And uh, we will be – all these events are going into our calendar. We'll already be there by the time you hear the show, so we'll have links and all that oh, That's right. Usual. And I throw it out there. I don't know the specifics of this toy run, but most of these toy runs discourage riders from bringing stuffed animals. Um, and they ask people to bring actual physical hard toys. So, so use the links. Yes. So check out you, the requirements. Yeah. So you can see what to bring and what what you don't want to bring. Don't try to recycle that kid's stuffed animal. Yeah. And also, I would just add that kids love RFID blocking wallets. So if you're looking for a place <laughs> to get that, <laughs> I need a RFID blocking stuffed animal there we go yeah or a stocking maybe right you can hang that by the fireplace yeah or that that glove that you put around yeah. your arm. uh all right and then on the third down in grant's pass is another toy run that's going on uh on the seventh in north kitsap somewhere a bait is doing what's called a wing ding now, uh, it's important to understand this is not a gold wing wing ding type <laughs> event this is uh uh also, a toy run that includes wings. Right. Chicken wings. Fried chicken wings. Well, it could be a gold wing ding event, though, right? I mean, if you're a, a gold wing rider, you, could, you wouldn't be stopped from participating in this. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you know, typically when we say wing ding, that's typically a gold wing rally. I gotcha. That's going on. I gotcha, yeah. So, that's not what this is. And anybody can go. You don't have to have a gold wing to go to. That's this. right. And that's on the 7th. So if you could have a live wire and go. 
all the way up from Argentina. Maybe they maybe that's, that's where they're the, going to end. Yeah, they finalized it at the toy run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tell us about on uh, November 9th, Sound Harley Davidson is doing a military and first responders appreciation night. Yeah, that's right. So right up in uh, Marysville, Washington, here, the Sound Harley Davidson team will be honoring military and first responders. So uh, if you are part of either one of those groups, or if you just like to support all the good work that they do. Head on out to the dealership there. They're always doing a lot of stuff at Sound Harley-Davidson. They've got some great folks there, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a pretty fun night. And I assume if you can show an ID that says that you're military or first responder, possibly even retired military, that uh, there's going to be some sort of discounting available to you? You on... know, that's a fantastic question. I'd have to direct people to the website for that. but uh, Free live wire when you get there. You know, I think that might be a little <laughs> bit much. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll let you test ride one if they if they've if they've gotten one yet. De- uh, deliveries were a little slow throughout the Northwest on the yeah, live wires. Yeah, they had that little glitch. Yep. So, um, okay, and then also on on November 9th, that's a Sunday or Saturday. Uh, that's a Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Uh, that is when we will have the Serum Run reenactment, and I'm going to let Derek give you the full skinny on this event. Yeah, so I'll kind of highlight the story. This is kind of an interesting uh, undertaking from the uh, Pacific Northwest Museum of Motorcycling, and uh, I believe the vintage motorcycle enthusiasts as well are involved in this. But 90 years ago, on uh, that day, the 9th of November, um, there was apparently some sort of medical emergency over near Ellensburg, and uh, the only way that they were going to be able to save this gentleman's life was from the delivery of a life-saving serum that could only be located in Seattle. So it was November, rough conditions back 90 years ago, and they decided, well, if we're going to save this guy's life and we're going to get this serum from a pharmacy in Seattle, we're going to have to deliver it by motorcycle. And so they did that, and there's kind of a story which – the, will be officially released, I think, in early November here. But anyway, the whole point of this serum run reenactment is that the uh, the group is going to re-ride the route as much of the original route as they can because things have changed a lot. And then they have also raised money to place headstones for both the rider and uh, the gentleman that he saved. So uh, Yeah, because they're both buried in Ellensburg. That's right, yeah, with uh, unmarked, uh, graves unmarked graves at this point. So. Yeah. Kind of a cool project, I thought, that they were putting together here, and there's a lot of history, and it's a great story, and um, if you want to take part in that, I think you can find some details on the Pacific Northwest Museum of Motorcycling Facebook page. That's where that would be at, because they're not very active with their website. So So check that out if you are are interested in learning more. All right. So that's uh, that's the November highlights. That's right, yeah. You can make up your own Thanksgiving Day ride if you want to, but uh, that's about it on November. And then we go into December, and wouldn't you know it, more toy runs. Look out. Already on the 1st, there's another one. So on the 1st, this is the Northwest Toy Run that will start out of Pacific Raceways in Kent, Washington. And then uh, there, on the seventh, there is there are toy runs in Olympia, Hermiston, Portland, and Seaside, Oregon. So uh, wherever you are, 
There's a toy run. There's you a can toy run near you. In. And of course, the Olympia one is kind of the big one here, at least in Western Washington. That's right? the big one. Yeah. And if you don't like the big ones, go to one of the small ones. Yeah, support That's a good cause. Have some or fun make your too. Own toy run. That's right. Call yeah. ten of your friends and do a toy run. Hey, why you not? Make yeah. your own rules. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? It could even be a coffee run. It doesn't have to be a toy run. It could be. You could go get chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, the toy run, though. That I mean, the idea is you're going to get toys for kids. And, sure. And neat. So. So don't make it a coffee run because kids don't need coffee. You don't want to give kids coffee. Well, it depends. If they're not your kids, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You give them a cup of coffee and a free puppy. I don't know. I say they're not my kids. I don't know. I say uh, drink some coffee and then head down to Moto Corsa on the uh, sixth of December for their their fashion show and dance party. You got to get pumped up for that, right? That is uh, what they are known for, the party dealer in the Pacific Northwest. I like it. You know, they've got a, a loyal following there, and they, they do a lot for the uh, the community down there in Portland. What do you think about, um, for you, are you able to ride red motorcycles in your tree frog green, or is that too much of a clash? I think that would be appropriate in December. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I don't own any red motorcycles. So. That's, why, that's what I'm saying. If you get a Ducati, though, you'd be... I also won't be riding any motorcycles until next spring. Well, take a little break, but yeah. uh, that's the six down there in uh, Portland at Moto Corsa. If you want to put on your best fashion and go and hang out, that's a good place to do it. All right. That's our calendar. We are going to come back and uh, do a little segment about uh, how to stay warm on your motorcycle when you're riding because it's that time of year, and there's all kinds of new technology. We'll be right back. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard. You owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Yeah, my name is Norton Norm, and I really like coming to the Backfire Motor Night. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Welcome back to the Sound Rider Show and the Penguin's Nest Studio, where we're going to be talking about how to stay warm on your motorcycle. Of course, this is a classic topic, but this time of year, it's nice to kind of review some of those tips to look at new technologies and also to remember that uh, there's still some riding weather left to explore out there. So, Tom, let's uh, kick it right off. How are we going to encourage riders to uh, keep their chestnuts roasting all season long here? Oh, Derek. <laughs> oh, my. How'd you get away with that one? Now, now banned oh. from iTunes, right? So, uh, you know, what we do at Soundrider is we help make the bridge that takes a rider from one level to the next. Right. So a conversation like this may create that bridge for people who are maybe thinking about wanting to be everyday commuters, but but they just don't like that cold and... 
And uh, and and uh, what we're going to do here is we're actually using someone else's article as sort of our talking points, and we're going to have our own discussion. Yeah. But uh, I can write all year. You can write all year. And I know you have a harder time because you don't you have you know you got the 350 so you don't have the way to wire up on that thing. Yeah, the battery's not very big on that, so I I don't really do any of the electric gear. So the first talking point here is uh, get behind the windshield. Uh, well, you know what? A lot of us don't have windshields or even windscreens. Buy a windshield would have to to be the answer for me there. I've never really found a windscreen to be much protection from the cold. Yeah, you know, unless you are on a big touring bike a la a, a road glide or a gold wing. No, and you that's have the, a windshield. Right, and you've got the windshield and the yeah. fairing and everything. But for most of us who are on any sort of more standard motorcycle or dual sport motorcycle or a naked bike, you just don't have that stuff. No, I mean, look at all the Triumphs that get sold all the time and all the Ducatis sure. that don't they don't have a windshield, yeah. they don't have a windscreen. So... So uh, I'm not so sure that that's uh, a tip that's going to be worthy for everybody. But if you don't have a windshield or a windscreen, if, you, if you're still riding around with a half-shell or a three-quarter shell helmet on, uh, get into a full-face helmet. That'll make a big difference. Do yourself difference. a favor. Yep. Um, this is a good tip, and I think this one sort of comes from the backpacking world. That's where I originally learned it at, and it's to stay dry. Yes. Because when you put water on your skin – uh, you help transmit heat out of your body. Now, that's really handy in the summer, and we'll help you with that with a cooling vest. Mm-hmm. But in the winter time, you need to keep your skin dry. So if you did something like packed up your bike and got it, broke a little sweat there and you're wearing cotton, and you're not going to be wicking that water off. And then as soon as you start riding, you're going to get cold way fast. That's right. Well, I had written an article for Soundwriter a few years ago about some wintertime commuting tips. And one thing that I mentioned in there, and I will mention it again here, is particularly if you're going to ride early, you know, a lot of times you may bounce right out of a hot shower, gear up, right, and then all of a sudden you're moving around. And next thing you know, you're sweating, you've trapped all that extra moisture from the shower, and you hop on the bike and that cool air starts going and you are down to sub-zero temperatures in a hurry there. So yeah, give yeah. yourself a little pacing if you are going to take an early morning shower or shower the night before. So I would uh, – and I would you know, seriously consider wearing synthetics because at least if you have some moisture on your body or you, you accumulate some some point during the ride – um, you're, you're going to wick it off a lot faster. Absolutely. So, so stay dry. That's a good plan. And another thing I'd add on there too, sometimes you get out in these fall days and you go, hey, I'm going to take this 30-mile ride for breakfast. And you don't bring maybe all of the gear that you normally would. You think, ah, it's a short ride. I don't need – Yeah, you're my, not used to yeah, I don't, putting on all those layers. Right. Yet. So maybe you just go for it and you think I can make it back. But then you sit down to the diner. And next thing you know, you look out the window and it started to rain. Mm-hmm. And although you may be comfortable in dry temperatures, if it's in the 50s and what you have on, if you get wet and it's still in the 50s, that's yep. an exponential effect there. Yep. So more <clears throat> important to bring your rain gear and make sure that you've got all of that stuff with you when you go out and travel. And it's possible in a short span of an hour for the temperature outside to drop enough that uh, you really needed that extra layer. Absolutely. And... Uh, yeah, and I know I, I, I'm a, uh, I do the same thing. I end up going out, you know, and not having all the right layers on yeah. because I'm just so used to it still being summer or whatever. Right, or sometimes you bring your summer gloves even. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, your hands get yeah. wet and you're down to – you can't feel the clutch. Uh, okay, next tip is uh, keep the wind out. Well, that's a good one because there, there's another thing that will rob you of your body heat. And again, if you're wearing a three-quarter or a half-shell helmet, uh, your head loves to release heat out of it. Yeah. And you can't do anything on your motorcycle to replace that. So uh, another tip that I have, and I don't know, it may come up here in the, in the uh, talking points, is to get off the bike. If you're getting cold, get off the bike and walk. Walk a quarter mile back yep. and then walk a quarter mile up to the bike. Now you just walked a half a mile, take you about 20, 30 minutes. Well, it won't take you that long. You do three miles an hour. So yeah. take a, you know, take a five, five minutes yeah. of walking and build up some body heat again. So, uh, you know, and again, if you go into a sweat, well, that's, that's another issue. Right. But, you have to kind of monitor that. But certainly. get that core warmed up again. That's a good thing. And even some roadside, I mean, not roadside, but parking lot push-ups or something like that. Maybe a little jogging in place, depending on what you got to do. But that's just good uh, winter survival 101 in case you need it. Yeah. Uh, talking point here is uh, wear a onesie. Well, not everybody's got a onesie. And we can't all be spending money on onesies when we've already got the two-piece. A onesie is you know, one of the pull-up suits, like an yeah, arrow stitch. That's right. And uh, I just don't have money to keep buying gear. But uh, most two-piece suits have a zipper in the back. And that's really handy to link that up to your pants and then close that zipper up for multiple reasons, not just to keeping the wind out, but you can also uh, uh, not get pantsed when you come off the bike if you do. Which is good. It's even more important in the wintertime than yeah. it is in the summertime. But yeah. uh, that's just good strategy year-round. And even if you don't, if your outer suit level is uh, or layer is a two-piece, you know, just your interior layers, tucking them into each other to kind of create that onesie effect can also make a, a big difference in airflow. So mm-hmm. if you've got long johns on, or synthetic base layers, just making sure that you're tightening everything up. That can make a difference, too. Yep. And I am going to be a onesie guy when I start riding again in the, in the spring because my gear that I was wearing when I came off the bike last summer was a two-piece. Right. And I'm not looking to replace that right away. So, so. what do you think in uh, in the onesie department? Are you going to... Well, I have an Olympia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, first gear used to make a onesie. Um, there are... Lower cost alternatives to having a custom arrow stitch built. Sure. But, you know, if money is no object, go get the arrow stitch. The arrow stitch is worth the money <coughs> if you have it, I would say. Uh, okay, next talking point is uh, stay plugged in. Yeah. Yep. That's, I, I like electric gear. Oh, I thought this was talking about headphones to the Sound Rider show. <laughs> but uh, not everybody can plug in because they don't have bikes that are big enough to handle uh, the wattage needed to run heated gear. Um, on some of my smaller bikes, I could run the jacket, but I can't run the gloves. Right. So you'll have to kind of evaluate the power output that you have available. But you know what? Heated gear, too. I mean, it's look, it'll do wonders, especially if you're a hardcore uh, touring rider and you're set on taking long trips. But I think with a lot of this other stuff, particularly if you do have a good suit and some good layers and that kind of stuff, don't be too shy about the cold because you can manage it pretty well. 
Yeah, but if you're – okay, so you know, one of my favorite things to do in the winter is do a trip around the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, problem with that is is that uh, as you're riding, then your your natural body heat only lasts for maybe 30 minutes yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. So you do need to do something synthetic. And, uh, and I have had moments out on the Olympic Peninsula where I drained my battery yeah. running electric gear. And uh, one of the things that I learned a few years ago was if it's cold out and you're going to wear electric gear – Turn it on right away at medium or low. Right. Uh, because if you wait until you start to get cold, now you want to jam it on high, yeah. and you're going to try to make up for what you lost uh, in, a, in a fast way. Next thing you know, next time you stop, your battery's going to be dead. Well, Unless you've got a big bike. You know? and that's good advice just in general for cold management is that you don't want to take steps back. So if you start to feel yourself getting cold, like it's better to catch that early than it is than it is late. Yep. So so turn it on right away when you leave. Or if even if you're just out riding, if you need to stop, I mean don't don't feel like you've got to push it the next hundred miles to get there. Stop, get a cup of coffee, warm back up because it's a lot easier to yep. to be a little chilly and come back to temperature than it is. That's a good point. You need to cold. have the mindset when you go out of how you're going to deal with this. If what what if the heat breaks right. on the bike? How are you going to deal with it? That's right. So, uh, you know, what if the cable goes bad on you? That happens. Yep. What if, uh, what if you get a hot spot? I've had that happen in, sure. the, in the jacket where it just starts burning on my flesh. And it's not actually – the heat's not getting out to the limbs because it's in this – Focused area, yeah. Bad solder area where it's all getting released right there and get kind of messed up. Right. So. So you gotta, you got to have a mindset of how you're going to deal with what if. Absolutely. Um, next talking point is warm your core. And in this publication, they're talking about wearing a garment that will fit over your core. Like, a, okay, so that, that could be like, uh, I see you have a liner on today. I do, yes. Yeah. So a nice uh, interior liner, uh, not always cheap, but uh, I think the outdoor research ones are a couple hundred bucks. The ones that come with most motorcycle jackets um, – not very good. They are no. Don't, don't, don't hold in much heat. They're, They're typically not insulated. Yeah. So you really need to go and and move up a notch. I would also say another way to keep your core warm is to eat, because when your system is digesting food, it's creating its own heat. That's right. And if you're riding around, uh, you know, I like to do an intermittent fast a couple times a week, and so this is definitely days I don't want to be going around the Olympic. No, you want a full stomach for this. That's for that's for sure. So, um, okay, this this is uh, says seal the deal, and they're talking about what you were talking about, making sure that your sleeves and your pant legs and stuff are sealed up, keeping that wind out. Uh, if you don't have electric clothing. Uh, you could invest in a set of heated grips. That's true. Uh, and a heated seat. Make a big difference as well, yeah. And those work pretty well on low-wattage bikes, I've noticed. So, um, and I, I do pretty well just with the heated grips and a heated seat if it's in the 40s. If I'm out somewhere and it drops into the high 30s, I, I really need a little more than that. But what that heated seat does is it warms your butt. And where does which way does heat go? It goes up. That's right. That's a good way to warm your core. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And your 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 hands are the uh, you know 
the second longest limbs on your body. They're out there, you know, the second farthest, and they're exposed to all that wind. So some heated grips help. Definitely. And, you know, just a a backup pair of gloves, too, might be a good suggestion when you're talking about your hands because, as we know, anything that is waterproof is only waterproof for a short period of time. Yeah. Now, I tend to like those little, uh, I call them the arrow-stitch lobster claws. Yeah, that's right. Where they have the three fingers on them, and... uh, they are really waterproof. Yes. They work every time. Mine are getting old. I'm worried, but so far they've still been keeping the water. Yeah, get the mittens on there. That's a great way. Or, you know, uh, hippo hands, too, if you want to get some uh, uh-huh. some covers for your for your grips, too. That yeah, can really... Next time I see your DR350, I want to see a set of hippo hands. It just might there. happen. It just might happen. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, make sure you have a rheostat on your electric clothing or your grips or your seat. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, my seat, I don't have a rheostat, so it it gets really hot after a while. I have to lift my butt up and let the air move around and steal all the heat out so I can kind of rebalance where things are at. Right. Yeah, you don't want to get too hot either, especially in, in spots like you were mentioning earlier. Sometimes that can be a little too concentrated against the skin. Yeah. Uh, get some heat on the cheap. Well, there's a couple of ways to do that. They're talking about filling a hydration bladder with warm water. Okay. Eh, that, that could work. You know, I tend to like those um, little hot hands, also known as little hotties. Or yeah, the chemical packs. Yep. My coals. Uh, those work pretty well. Now, what I've noticed on a motorcycle is the ones that go in your shoes, the little toe warmers. Don't buy the toe warmers. They will not. They will not do it. They, they can't, can't fight the up. wind. They yeah. can't fight the wind. Yeah. Uh, but there are full uh, foot warmers that you can insert into your boots. Those work a lot better. Um, we happen to sell those on the Soundwriter store, but you can find them at hardware stores and other online places as well. You're just doing us a favor when you buy them from us. and uh, Doing you a around. favor, too. <laughs> as the, as the uh, purchaser, you'll enjoy those. Those will make a difference. So I don't know. What, what did they miss here? You know, I think that's a pretty good comprehensive list. I know one thing that I always do when I go out on cold weather rides is I either bring a firm a thermos or my jet boil, mm-hmm. right? Because particularly when you're out dual sporting, it's not like you're going to be passing Starbucks and McDonald's every uh, 10 miles. Sure. So sometimes it's nice just to find a sunny spot, get out of the wind, and make yourself some hot tea or some coffee and to kind of get off the bike for 20 minutes or so. That can make a big difference. So that's one thing I always do when I'm out there riding in the cold. Yeah, bring two cups so you can have a cup ready for the life flight when he lands. (laughs) (laughs) I think ideally that uh, you do it before you crash. It's a preventative measure. There you go. That's the idea. And, and, you know, um, I'm sure anybody who rides a dual sport knows this. Once you're off the pavement... You are burning some calories. Definitely. And you're staying warm. And you can, if you, you know, if it's time to turn the heat down, turn the heat down. Yes. And take advantage of your body heat to keep you warm and don't, you know, overdo it. Absolutely. Well, what about you, though? Do you have anything that on this list? I'm kind of, I'm scrolling the comments of the article that we've been kind of using as our checkpoint. And I'm seeing if anybody brings up anything interesting. But it seems like all kind of stuff that we touched on. But how about you? Well, we got a lot of leaky boots out in the marketplace. Good point. And that is where you can get wet and not dry out. And you really got a problem when you start 
getting wet feet because you're dumping a lot of heat out of your limbs. Um, so <clears throat> I always say when they say a boot is waterproof, make sure they're using Gore-Tex. If they're using something else that's cheaper for them to use, sure. that doesn't require them to have a certification. The licensing, yep. Every waterproof boot I ever wore that didn't have Gore-Tex that had something else in it always leaked. So uh, keep that in mind when you're doing your shopping. That's the place you want to spend a little extra money at and also on the gloves. But like I say, I'm having really good luck with those with those Aerostitch yeah. leather gloves. Yeah, absolutely. And they're only – I think they're like 30 bucks. Yeah, they're not too bad. And I know that um, I think you know obviously the Aerostitch ones are a little more motorcycle specific. But a lot of the mountaineering stores here in the Northwest yep. will carry things that are – you know. Obviously, in fact, I'm going to be looking at the outdoor research ones and possibly adding them back in. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, outdoor research. That's a great. Uh, that's a great suggestion right there. So, yep. I thought uh, just before we wrap up, I just want to share this little exchange in the comment section here, where one guy one guy says in all caps, "Stay off your bike." That's his suggestion for riding in the cold. Oh. Well, and then the the first response to that is, uh, "Stay off the internet." Yeah, <laughs> stay off the internet. Go spoil everybody's fun. All right, we're going to take a little break. We were going to come back with some tips and tricks beyond keeping your body warm on a motorcycle. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family-owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. Hi there, this is Steve Stewart. My favorite place to ride in the state is US-14 along the Columbia River. Go to the Sound Rider Rally and check it out. Hi, this is Wayne from Whole Shop Motorsports in Langley, British Columbia, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Motoring on into the final segment here on the November edition of the Sound Rider Show. And although this one has already been packed with tips and tricks, we're going to stick with the format and we're going to give you at least two more. Tom, what do you got for fall riding here? You got any tips or tricks? I got a great recipe for holiday cider. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Oh, wait, no, this is the Sound Rider. Pumpkin gazpacho. Ooh, yum. Right? Pumpkin latte gazpacho. There you go, yeah. A little steamed milk and some nutmeg. Make the gazpacho (laughs) and pour in the latte. That'll warm your core, but uh, let's Mm. go with some motorcycle-specific stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know we're we're We're, doing the sound We're back to where we're at here. (laughs) Uh, Why don't I lead off? Okay, go ahead. I'll jump into it here. I uh, am looking out the window here on a beautiful fall day, and I also just recently, um, not on two wheels, but on four, took a trip through the Columbia River Gorge, and my tip this month is that now 
is a great time for photos. It is awesome. So for a lot of reasons there. Now, we just educated you on how to stay warm while riding, so we've got that combated. But you know what? A lot of folks, they're not going to be out there at these popular landmarks. You're going to have a lot of days that are crisp and clear. You're going to have some great color in the uh, leaf changes and the greens of the pines and the blue of the sky. So why not get out there and take some glamour shots with your motorcycle? Better yet, tag team up with your buddy and uh, you guys can take some actual decent pictures of your motorcycle while you're out there as opposed to just the standard yeah here's my bike on the side of the road right right and i'll now, take a picture of you riding you take a picture of me coming around a corner there you go and now's the time to do it because the crowds are down and uh the scenery is up so get out there and do that and you know what derek um we, we were talking about you know we're, we're just trying to help people cross the bridge here if, if somebody's listening to this and they think well maybe i got enough tips now from the guys to go and do some riding in the cold, mm-hmm. um, just do a little day trip. Just go to lunch. You know, if you live in Seattle, take the back roads up to Skagit County. Absolutely. And and do it with your buddy. Yep. And do some of the things that we talked about and figure out what's working best for you for staying warm. And then help each other out and get some really nice photos because, man, there's just tons of beautiful color anywhere you go. You don't have to go from here to the gorge. Right. Because um, that's going to be an overnight trip. But um, that that'd be pushing it if you're not used to riding in the cold. But if, if you're not, just do a little short lunch trip somewhere. Well, and also I would add to that, particularly this time of year, if you or your friend owns a pickup truck, there's no shame in trailering or uh, you know towing your motorcycle to a destination that you actually want to ride. If you that, want to stay that's off, that's what a, you say. Hey, if you want to stay off of I-84 and I-5 <laughs> and I-90. Uh, especially this time of year, I say uh, go for it. Tow it up. Get out to some roads that are worth riding and actually make your day worthwhile. You're just saying that because you cleaned your van out and you're loading your bike in and taking it to... Uh... I've definitely done that. <laughs> for a second there, I thought you were going to say you cleaned your motorcycle. And no, I no, like, no. I know you're not going to do that. I didn't clean that. But, you know, honestly, um, I find that those can be some of the more enjoyable days where you don't have to uh, endure the drudgery. You know, particularly here in Seattle, if you're going to go... Out east in Snoqualmie, you got that that drag across to I ninety, and you know sometimes uh, the weather can be a little unpredictable up at elevation. And if you've got that fallback to where you can just truck out to where you need to go, it can be a good time. All right, you put it, put your bike in next to your snow bike. Yeah, and then when you get there, you you'll decide which one you need to pull out. Yeah, and the uh, Uncle Sam will be standing there saying, "Are both of these registered?" Because <laughs> yeah. we take cash on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Governor. But how about you? I know you've got a nice uh, handy tip uh, this month. So let's I do, and it kind of falls into this. So what's happening now is, uh, you know, the clocks are changing back. All the hours of the day are getting wonky, and the days are getting shorter. And uh, part of that is that the sun doesn't go up so high in the sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, now what's happening is a lot of corners on the highway or on the road uh, are not getting sunlight all day. Right. So if they started off frosty in the morning, they're probably going to be frosty at noontime, and they might be frosty when you're coming back home. So uh, obviously we want you keeping your eyes, looking, scanning way ahead, looking for things, taking it easy in the corners so that you do have lots of visibility ahead of you. And uh, uh, be aware of things like frost, 
Uh, beware of gravel if we end up having snow days, and Certainly. then you're going to ride after that. You're going to have gravel on the road. You're going to have leaves, a lot of leaves right now. And uh, take it easy. We don't want to, we don't want to be reading about you in the paper. That's right. No, that's a great point. You know, and that's something that is a good reminder because you get into uh, the transition and seasons here, and all of a sudden you find yourself on a fall day, and you go, "Wow, it's 60 degrees. It's beautiful out here," but it's not 60 degrees in the shade. No. So no. you got to keep an eye on that. I could specifically point to one of my trips on the Olympic Peninsula where I got up around the Lake Crescent area, mm-hmm. and uh, there was no sunlight on any of that road, and I had to turn around because I was hitting patches of frost yeah. all over the place. I had to turn around and come out on Highway 112, 113, and uh, I did get home, but I didn't go home the way I thought I was going to go home. Right, a little bit of backtracking. And, the, hey, that's another good uh, – Stay warm tip is you have to be prepared for those alternate routes, too. So food yep. and drink while you're out there. Yep. All right, folks. That is our show for November, and we will be back in December with who knows what. But it should be interesting. On the Sound Rider Show. We'll see you next month. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.